Theology of Plain Men. And if you're not familiar with us, we are just a group of guys who have normal jobs and do normal things, but also think that theology is important to our daily lives. So even though we're not pastors, we get together to talk about things of God, things of faith, um, because we think they're important. So today we're here to talk about hard truths, delivering hard truths, maybe even receiving hard truths a little bit, and just how that is an, an element of the Christian walk that is, for me and for many, really difficult to embrace. Uh, we're called to it in the Bible, and there's no shortage of opportunities for it in our relationships, but um, it can be really, really difficult, countercultural, counter-human nature um, to do so. So uh, let's get an example of a scenario maybe that would warrant this sort of thing so that people can kind of ground the topic in real life. What's up, guys? This is Matt. Um, I think there's a no shortage of examples for what we can talk about, and I, I think everyone listening can jump immediately to uh, a time, probably recently, even within the last week, where they've been interacting with someone who said something that really struck them the wrong way, and they wanted to correct them, but probably didn't. Maybe they did, but probably didn't. Or maybe they had that happen to them as well. So I think this can really come about in a lot of different ways. Uh, it could be something deeply uh, personal. And may- maybe this is with someone you know really well, where it's easier to correct, but there's more on the line, like a, a really good friend or a family member. Uh, but there can also be uh, similar situations, but with someone who it's a lot harder to correct, like a coworker or your boss, who said something that you know is so deeply flawed or deeply wrong, it goes against everything you believe. Uh, and then you have to ask the question, do you, do you take that chance? Do you risk your relationship with them or some social capital to, to make that correction? And trying to go through some of these nuances today, and it's, it's a lot of gray area that, honestly, we don't know, know if there's going to be any black and white that come out of it, but we hope to walk through that milieu and figure out what does it mean to speak truth in love and to be consistent with our faith in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. So <clears throat> I like the way you put that, you know, um, cause I think the problem is different when it gets real for you. Um, when you do have something to lose, right. I tend to not have much of an issue confronting like coworkers in a professional sense, you know, right. Like when I'm at work, if I think someone's wrong on the basis of like our, the nature of our work, and it's not something about their character or something like that, there's not much on the line for me to correct them. I just say, hey, this is this way. I, I think this is this way. What do you think? Let's talk about it. And we move on. And there's 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 nothing on the line. There's nothing to lose. But when it's like, hey, your worldview is wrong. Like, ooh. Or, hey, you said this. Like, you know, I heard you say this to this person. You know, I think that's deeply offensive. There's if that person's really close to you, um, now that's a very personal thing you're confronting, and there's a lot on the line with that. So I don't know. I think it can get really messy really quick, and it's not necessarily as easy as I think the the anecdote always or the anecdote's probably not the right word, um, but the phrase that always seems to get thrown out is it's like it's a balance between uh, grace and truth, and that's really easy to say, but that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, because and what you get at is how this topic is influenced by 
you know, in a case by case sort of way, our relationship with the people who may be the subject of some correction or as the Bible would call it, also rebuke. Um, you know, it's much easier to approach somebody that you're really close with, who you've established a relationship, you've connected with them on um, a, a deeper level than just, I don't know, I guess like a surfacey right and wrong type of understanding. Um, to, it's, it's easier to approach them with a sort of correction as opposed to somebody you don't know. And so that's where I think wisdom really comes into, the, into play. Um, I, I do want to give... Because and also, I want to acknowledge Zach's um, differentiation between kind of factual surface level his like work example and then matters of belief, matters of doctrine. Um, so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna read a passage here to kind of ground us in the word, um, and then we can move move forward. Second Timothy four, um, the very beginning of it, it says, "In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will live the." Judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. And here it is. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And so th- this is one of multiple instances in the Bible where we're actually called to do this sort of thing. This isn't just because we want to be right and because we think that the thing that we believe is better just because we believe it, there's actually um, a call to to speak out and to confront um, misspoken truth. Is that is that the right way to characterize it or to summarize? Why? Why, what, why does that matter? Well, that would be because <laughs> of the uh, directly preceding verse to this, and so this is like you can. It's, this is good because you can just read that and think. Okay, fine. You know that's a good command, but to look back to the foundation on which that is written, it's literally the verse before where it says, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." Yeah. So I, th- <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I think it's important to, for lack of a better word, to check yourself right before you feel a call to rebuke someone, it's really, really important to understand why. Why do you feel a need to rebuke this person? Because um, if it's for if it's for a reason that you can't ground in scripture, you should maybe hold off, right? Uh, because I, th- that's what we're called, right? It's like, I, I shouldn't go around rebuking Andre and Matt on the basis of something that's a personal preference of mine that I can't ground in scripture, um, you know, that comes off on, it comes off as just like, I'm just a, a, a flippant legalist and I'm pushing my moral code onto you that I can't ground in scripture. And that isn't, that isn't very helpful. And you know, it's, it's wrong. That's kind of the idea that Jesus talks about when he says, before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, first take the log out of your own, which I guess when it, when you boil it down, it's, it's all about pride which is what I think, Zach, you were getting at. It's the idea that when, when you, th- you see something else wrong in, in someone other than you, um, have, you have you inspected yourself first? Because probably uh, when you jump to it right away, you, you got something else going first, that uh, we're all fallen people that sin, that, that suck uh, at certain degrees, and, and we need to be careful with what we do because uh, how we approach this 
you you do have to be tactful. It's you don't you don't just go up to someone and start telling them all the reasons why they're wrong. You really should be tactful with it. Why? Uh, you know, are are you responsible for their reaction? No, not entirely. Um, you know, there's everyone's going to react differently, but you have to really care for them, and and you're trying to do this not because you want to prove yourself right, but because you love them and you want to care for them, and you think that uh, by correcting them, they can live a better life and be more like Jesus, and and thus you know be better off in the long run, right? And yeah, right. I totally agree. I think that's where you know a faulty view of self becomes one of the great pitfalls in this issue. Um, and for, and for me, the, the other great pitfall also relates to view of self. And that is the pitfall being passivity, not doing this at all, not even not stepping out and expressing that love. Cause we should be doing these things out of love. Right. Uh, I think there's actually a verse about that. Yeah, there is. That's, that's perfect. Um, so when we were thinking about this, the first one that comes to a lot of people's mind is Ephesians four. 15, uh, known for the, the little quote of speaking truth in love, but the context around it is, is unity and being mature in your faith. And, uh, and you know, all of Ephesians is about bridging the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles and being one in Christ. And so as he's talking about that, he says, um, you know, so that we no longer may be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way in him who is the head into Christ, etc., etc. So why are we doing this? It's so that we're not tossed about on, on every wave that hits us. And I think, just to take a little segue, where, where do you guys see culture being tossed to and fro because they don't have a definite truth to hold on to. Um, I mean, do you want a list? I think we're going to need a longer <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, uh, I can't remember who said it, um, but our hearts are idle factories. Um, John Calvin. John Calvin. Um, m- my boy, JC. So I-D-O-L, not ideally. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. I-D-O-L. Our hearts are idle factories. We're constantly looking for the next thing to prop up on the throne of our lives. Um, by, by nature, we're, ch- we're children of wrath, right? Um, so, I mean, take your pick. Um, the wanting to be wealthy, wanting to be happy, um, wanting to, you know, have a elevated sense of identity that is like the, the idea of like, oh, you do you like, and that's kind of that pass. That's kind of that passive support yeah. justifies the passivity is right the phrase you do you and and it's what sucks is like culture kind of says oh like yeah that's how you should treat people it's like yeah you should supporting people is telling them yeah you do you when in reality that's being the least supportive and the least loving you can be to a person because someone has something in their life that's destructive if you're the people close to them like you have an obligation to call that out um and this idea of, hey, you know, you got to be true to yourself. Whatever you feel is is what's right, and kind of that false gospel and that idol of self identity is really dangerous because it anything that feels right in the moment is what's true for you, um, and that leads you down a a real you know kind of sketchy path. Right, and so not only is the you do you mentality not healthy, but it's also really easy to hide behind. Like even if that was just a neutral thing that didn't hurt didn't actively hurt if it was just neutral 
it, it's still just so easy to hide behind and and so easy to allow yourself to um, uh, avoid the you know avoid maybe ruffling some feathers. Uh, I think that's a big thing that stands in my way of kind of calling people out in moments where when they probably should be is I don't want to I don't want for them not to like me or to think that I'm you know yeah. one way or another and and so to wrap it back to the other pitfall is this poor view of self that it matters how people view me you know and that I let that sort of that belief um, override my desire to speak the truth in grace and I still think there's there's definitely a balance too because like ultimately we can't I can't control someone reacts. I can't, but I can be tactful, right? Ultimately, what, you know, Paul. When Paul writes to Timothy, what he's writing for is for the benefit and the edification of the church. Um, so, if we throw out how people feel and how they're going to take what we say, if we just completely throw that out, um, that's not. It's just not going to be helpful, right? Our rebuking just isn't going to do much because we're not trying to be tactful and we're not being kind and caring right there, there's you're a just ba- a critic at that point yeah exactly you're not actually giving but it's not constructive right yeah another thing i want to wrap this back to is a podcast we previously did on the topic of vulnerability this is almost an opportunity for vulnerability as the rebuker as the person that's coming out to correct somebody else in the same vein of what, as what i was talking about <clears throat> just a moment ago you know you to call somebody out and to risk them viewing you in a certain way in a negative in a you know in a negative way because you're you're making them feel like they did something wrong you're you're taking the risk <clears throat> of losing that but at the with, with the opportunity for the reward of a stronger relationship once you do so i think the three of us have all had scenarios where we've been involved in a kind of a uh, scenario of being corrected when it wasn't comfortable and yeah, it wasn't and, nice. And I think I've I've maybe even told this story on the podcast, but a fellow TPM contributor, Michael Francis, uh, when we lived together in college, uh, I remember is a distinct moment I have in my memory, and it's going to be there forever. Of uh, one, probably because I'm going to keep telling the story forever. <laughs> but I remember I was I was I was just venting to him about something going on. Honestly, I don't even know if I totally remember what was going on, uh, but that's not terribly important. Um, and I, f- I finished talking to him uh, and I expect to get like a, ah, oh, man, that sucks. You know, yeah, you know, keep grinding or whatever it is, whatever it was I was working on. But he he looks at me and I, I don't remember all of what he said, but the gist of it, I think the first statement he said was, Zach, you are so stupid. Um, Michael is one of my closest friends. He was the best man at my wedding. Um, so th- we have this relationship where he knew exactly what it was I needed to hear, right? His a- ability to correct me in that moment was built on our relationship. And your relationship moving forward was stronger for it. E- exactly. And that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think back to times that I felt most loved, like in that moment, like it was it was groundbreaking for me. Right. It, it changed the trajectory that I was approaching, you know, different uh, areas of ministry um, in my life. And I, th- I think back to that. And that was one of the times I felt most loved, period, was in that moment where Michael Francis to my face called me stupid. He he then went on to chew me out and, and tear me a new one pretty good. But um, our our relationship got stronger. We 
and and you know that's a relationship that goes both ways, right? It's it's also expected of me to provide that to him when I see it, and he saw it in me in that moment, and he corrected me. And, and I think that's a beautiful example of where it goes well, and uh, where, where both <laughs> yeah. parties were willing to be participants in uh, bettering themselves and caring for one another through that. But there are a lot of times where it doesn't go well, or maybe the risk of it not going well is much higher than that. Right. I right. I hearken back to maybe a few uncomfortable family holiday dinners exactly where, where I was you going. agree with the, where you disagree <laughs> with some of the extended family but that's a perfect example so let's let's bring it into a real scenario you're at christmas dinner and your uh some family member is talking about uh the way they're living their life and it's uh it's deeply unbiblical and it's hurting the people around them and it's hurting themselves and you know that it's contrary to the way that god designed us to live and to flourish and to uh succeed so how do you approach it? You have obviously some relationship built with them because they're your, your family member. What what do you do? But there's also a lot at stake. Just a lot to, at you know, stake. To, yeah, continue to flesh out the scenario. I don't I I don't know. I think I think so just surrounding your declaration of truth with um you know, parallel declarations of understanding or support i don't know uh I'm just spitball i'm really just spitballing right here. well that's why you know we we opened this with there's the chance that we're just gonna leave this conversation <laughs> just as gray open, as we yeah. entered it <laughs> but to try to you know clear up the mud with more mud um it does kind of depend on the person right if, if there's a person who would say i'm a christian whatever 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 right if they're going to open themselves up to that and that's kind of why i wanted to when we started i wanted to go back to the phrase that said all scripture is god breathed right because when we approach criticism and, and we we start critiquing people that we're going to call our brothers and sisters in the faith um if 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 it's that type of a scenario then honestly, I think the answer is, this is not me giving you this criticism. I am revealing to you the criticism that the Bible is giving you on the, ba- on the basis of what you're doing. And I think that's super important is, one, whether they're a Christian or not, frankly, for them to understand why, why you think the way you do and, and to help explain the themes around it. But two, for them to realize that this is bigger than you criticizing them, mm-hmm. um, which, which brings up two subpoints. One, how important, like Zach said earlier, that you're not being a critic about things that don't matter. Because if you are, they're already dismissing you and your point of view. Right. But two, um, it's super important that you show them the bigger picture. And I see this like time and again as a macro theme that Paul does and the Apostle Paul does in his writings. He says, like, uh, how, you know, you guys can't resolve conflict within yourselves. Do you know that you're going to judge angels one day? All right figure it out. You guys can do this. You got a bigger things to worry about. So in the same way you can talk about an individual conflict or thing that someone's going through, but you have to show them the bigger reason why it matters. It, you know, it's, it's hurting them. It's hurting other people. And, uh, it's worth talking about. You show them the, the reason why it's worth going through the pain that you're experiencing with them at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you guys saying to, to cut a, a level or two deeper beyond the surface um, of what you might be hearing from that person, and I and I would totally agree with that because I think that's where that's probably where the true disbelief lies, right? And the true misunderstanding lies is, you know, the the purpose and the deeper meaning behind what motivates doing or not doing any given thing that you might end up talking about. 
So, um, in the spirit of potentially trying to make this as practical as possible, we, we gave a few, hopefully a few real world ish type of examples for you guys. So I, uh, to the listener, I, I hope that, you know, maybe some of that resonates with you, but I kind of want to go around the room here. If you had to offer just like a practical thing, like, Hey, next time you're faced with this, think about this next time you're faced with this, try this. I don't know. What would you guys have to say to the listener? I would start by maybe my recommendation, and this is to myself, like truly. The reason I brought this up to talk about today is because I feel like I don't do this well. So my recommendation to myself and to the listener is the same. It's to maybe start small. Like start with something easy. Confront a, someone with the truth that they need to hear that maybe, it, you know, that is lower risk and work your way up. Baby steps. And so, a, a quick example, it wouldn't be something, it's, it's easier to call that ideology than behavior, I've found. So when you say like, listen, the the way you're talking about yourself, you're self-deprecating. Yeah. And that's like not, a nice. you know, you're made exactly. in the image of God and you shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's easier than saying like you're living a life, <laughs> you know, you're living right. in sin right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think that's that's my plan um, on this issue is to, yeah, to do baby steps. And, and I think another dimension of Matt's example there is, you know, exa- scenarios where it's super obvious that this is for their benefit, you know. And so that there's, it's just a little bit easier to work your way into it. Uh, my point would be, it's it's almost exactly the same as Andre's. Remind them it's it's for their good and the good of people around them, and help them understand the bigger picture. You have to have a relationship built. Don't don't go criticizing people unless you have a really specific call. I don't think it's. I say this with a caveat, and maybe it's too sweeping of a statement. But uh, standing on the corner and holding signs, uh, maybe there's a time and place for that. But that doesn't really resonate with a lot of people you want to make a real difference you do it one-on-one by people you've spent time you built relationships with and that you've shown that you love them so build that love them and then in love speak the truth but you have to speak the truth don't leave that part out of it and in typical zach doman fashion i'm going to take my practical point of application and fling it straight into the clouds of loftiness (laughs) um so I, I'm going to say maybe it's more practical than that. Give myself some credit. Um, I'm going to say ask, be a better question asker. I don't Let me give me a chance to explain. So I think it really matters that you understand the person before you rebuke the person. Because it, it might be a surface level thing you see, but what's actually happening is a couple layers deeper. Um or even what you see might not really be what it is. You might just see a certain way and it's actually not what it seems. So I'm going to say be a better listener, be a better question asker, and be more willing to get into the weeds with people before you start calling them out on things. Yeah. Amen. I think that those are some seriously good application points that um, I am really looking forward to trying to put into play in the next couple of weeks um, with people in my life. So thank you guys for sitting and talking. Uh, thanks for everybody that tuned in this week. And uh, as usual, we hope our verbal processing was in any way at all edifying for you. Mm-hmm.